Uh, this morning I want to speak about the immensity of the power of Jesus Christ. Uh, today we are celebrating the communion. And every time we consider the communion, we should consider how great was the grace that God has given to us through Jesus Christ. And how we can take in all the resources that came through the sacrifice of Jesus on Calvary. So I pray that the Lord will guide me this morning to explain and share what he put in my heart to share. And I truly want to encourage you, brothers and sisters, to read the Word of God. So this morning I will read a portion of the Bible in Colossians chapter 1, verse 15 to verse 23. And I encourage you to follow on the screen, but also if you have your, the Bible, uh, read it with me. There is such a blessing that comes when we receive the Word of God with an open heart. Because the Word of God is able to transform, to change us, to bring clarity in our confusion, to bring encouragement in our discouragement, to bring hope when we lack hope. That's why the Lord has left this precious Word for us, so we can be enriched by the promises that we have in this precious book. Praise the name of the Lord. Colossians chapter 1 from verse 15 to 23. And may God add his blessing to his word to our hearts this morning. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and him all things all together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him of the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. And you, who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death, in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. If indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of which I, Paul, became a minister. Praise the Lord for this wonderful portion of the word of God. Let me introduce the background to this epistle, to the Colossians. You see, the city of Colossae was located about 120 miles at east of the famous port of the city of Ephesus. It was in the central part of Asia Minor. This city was a, in a very strategic location where all the commerce from the east was going to Rome. So because it was in a very strategic position and location, all the different cultures met together, bringing different cults, different uh, religions. 
You have the mythology of the Greek and the Romans. You have the Mitra cult. You have all the different influences that Judaism brought in the city. So it was a mix of different religions. It was a mix of different cultures melting together in this city. And because of all this influence, Paul is feeling the necessity to address some of the issues that were present in that young church. Epaphras founded this church. Paul never went to visit Colossae. As I said, these different religions brought some influence in the young congregation. Among them, there was the idea that people could pray angels. And then somehow Jesus Christ was the head of the angels. So people were supposed to pray him as the head of the angels to deliver them from evil spirits and bless them. But Paul is saying very clearly, Jesus is not the head of the angels. Jesus is the creator of the angels. He's God. He needs to have the preeminence and the supremacy in all things. So some of those ideas or ideology were infiltrated in the young church. And because of the, this danger to contaminate the true gospel of Jesus Christ, Paul is writing this epistle to set the pace on the right direction. And he starts with this beautiful passage that we just read. And he presents the excellence of the supremacy of Christ. He explained how Christ is the Son of God, how Christ is God, how in Christ dwells all the fullness of divinity, of the Godhead. He explains how in Christ everything was performed and formed and created. He explains how these believers can trust Jesus Christ. And I believe in my brothers and sisters that today we live in a very similar context. And if we are not careful, we can lose track of the sound doctrine. We need to reaffirm that Christ Jesus is the only Savior on this earth. There are no other roads that brings to heaven. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And you know, the text that we read can be divided into different sections. One section it presents the primacy of Christ as a creator of the world, of the cosmos, of the whole universe. And this is from verse 15 to 17. The second part from verse 18 to 23 describes how Christ Jesus has the supremacy in the work of our redemption. So let's look at the first part of this passage. Jesus' preeminence over creation. Let me tell you right away, Jesus is not a part of the creator order. He is the one that created everything. He always has been. I like what Paul says. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. Jesus is not less than God. And it does not mean that Jesus was created by God as a firstborn. You see... People read this passage and they think that Jesus was created as a firstborn. And this is a, an heresy that came in the second century of Christianity that today the Jehovah Witnesses are teaching that Jesus was created. But again, Jesus was never created. 
Jesus has God. He has been always. There is no beginning, no hand in Him. He is God. And our text is not talking about order, but it's talking about rank. The term firstborn in Greek protagonos is used over 130 times in the translation of the, the Old Testament in the Greek, the Septuaginta. In those 130 times that's been translated most of the time, more than 90% as the meaning higher in rank. So when the Bible says that is the firstborn, it was saying is above everything else. So don't think, please, don't think that when you're reading the Bible, firstborn, it means that Jesus was created. Jesus was never created. Jesus has always been. Is the beginning at the end. He has no beginning. He has no end. Is God. Praise the Lord for this. This is another way of saying that Jesus has all authority. Because he's the first in rank, he has also all authority. So Jesus is no part of the creation, but rather has authority over the creation. He has authority over creation. He didn't come into existence when uh, it was born out of the Virgin Mary. He existed before. He just became one of us. He took human form so he can expiate our sins on Calvary. Look how Hebrews chapter 1 verse 10 to 12 represents and explains. The, um, the image of Jesus being always present. In verse 10 of chapter 1, the Bible says, You, Lord, laid the foundation of the earth in the beginning, and the heavens of the work of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. They will all wear out like a garment, like a robe. You will roll them up. Like a garment, they will be changed. But listen now, but you are the same and your years will have no hand. Praise the Lord for this. The same author later on will say that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. So Jesus was not created. He is the author of all creation. Jesus is the creator of all things. In verse 16, it says, For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. John says that. In the Gospel of John, clearly, the Word of God says that the world was created by the divine Word, the Logos, Jesus Christ. Everything came into existence because the power of Jesus Christ. Nothing was in this world. All the stars that you see, all the immensity of the universe was never existed until Jesus spoke. He spoke and everything came to be. Praise God for this. Are you not excited that we are not the result of the fate of the combination of atoms, but we are the image of Christ in us. The creator dwells in us. Praise the Lord. 
I have a mind that was created by the Lord. I have a soul that was given by God. I have a hope because Jesus came and created me. Praise God for this. Jesus is creator of all things. Two categories here are listed by Paul. On macro level, on earth, everything visible is made by Christ. Everything I can see, I can smell, I can touch, taste, and hear. A macro level, when you look at the immensity of the sky, and you see all the little stars shining in a dark night, think that God created all these things. Think that He knows them one by one. The Bible says these words in Psalm 147 verse 4 says, He determines the number of the stars. He gives to all of them their names. Praise God. You know, every time a supernova is exploding or a, a sun is finishing to uh, shine, God already knew that. God already determined it. Praise the Lord. I don't know you people, but I'm so excited to know that God created all these things. Hallelujah. Praise God. What about the, the microcosmo? Look at Matthew chapter 10, verse 29, verse 30. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? And not one of them will fall on the ground apart from your father. But even the heirs of your head. And I'm biased on that verse. I'm sorry are all numbered <laughs> with me as an easy task. <laughs> but you know, when you consider the hair of your head, God knows them. It blows my mind to understand the greatness of God. He is the God of the microcosm, but he's also the God of the macrocosmos. In heaven also, an invisible one, he created all things. And let me clarify some things here, folk. You know, there are angels. There are evil angels that the Bible called demons that fall because of the disobedience and the fall of Satan. Those evil spirits are not visible with our eyes, but are in existence. But Jesus created all of them. Jesus is the author and the creator of all things that we are not seeing. Because of that, there cannot be dualism. The devil has not the same power of God. The devil cannot be compared at the same level with Christ. The devil is a creature. Jesus is the creator. We need to understand that. Because I know that in the New Age theology or ideology... There is this idea that we have to look for the spirits that are guiding us. Even among Christianity, sometimes we think that angels need to be prayed. But this is not what the Bible is teaching us. Angels are spirits that God used to minister to us. But we cannot pray angels. We have to pray God and he will send angels to minister to us. And Paul is very clear on that. He's saying, it is not what you think, my dear beloved brothers and sisters of Colossae. Think one moment. Jesus created the angels. 
This is what we need to make clear. There is no dualism. There is no yin and yang. There is no equal entity between evil and good. God is above evil. Is the personification of good for our lives. And we need to open our hearts to receive that. Christ is not only the agent of the creation, but also the goal of it as well. It means that everything that was created had in mind the glory of Jesus Christ. Everything that was created was for the glory of God. When you see the stars, when you see the beauty of a river, when you see the beauty of an animal, a plant, the flowers that are blossom, think that all this was created to give glory to God. Look at what the Word of God says. All things were created through Him and for Him. And is before all things, and in Him all things hold together. Hallelujah. Often we think that Jesus is just a part of the universe, of the things that were, are in existence. But Jesus is everything. And everything was created for Him, to glorify Him. And that's why the text says that everything is created for Him. For Him. Hallelujah. You know, I grew up singing a beautiful chorus based on Colossians 1. That most of us, maybe they know. Thou art worthy. Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor. Glory and honor and praise. For Thou hast created all things created. Thou hast created all things and for thy pleasures they are created. Thou art worthy, O Lord. It's a beautiful song. It's a beautiful song that expresses the theology of Colossians 1. Everything has been created to give glory to God. Everything exists to display the greatness of Christ. Nothing, nothing in the universe exists for itself. Everything was created to give glory to God. And I want to say something to you. You know, today, scholars, scientists, they say that the universe is held all, all together by a force. There is something that keeps the universe together. For years, they were thinking that the universe is expanding, expanding in different worlds. But then they started to understand that there is something that holds all things together. And I remember when I came into this article, I was explaining that. I started to laugh inside me. The Bible says that. That Jesus is the power that holds all things together. <laughs> He's able. <laughs> Everything are holded together by the grace and the power of God. And you know, forget about the immensity of creation. I want to make clear something that one of the most terrifying ideas presented in the Bible is that even those who hate God, even those who are rebellion against God, they are created to give praise and glory to Him. And one day every tongue will confess what? That Jesus is Lord. And every knee will bow before his presence. You know, there is no freedom. 
You know, even those today that are raising their fist at him and actively work against him, in the end, they will serve his purposes. Be sure of that. Be sure of that. Because no one has been created without the idea, the purpose to bring glory to God. And let me be more specific, my brothers and sisters and friends. No one in this room has a choice about whether or not he or her is going to glorify God. Because every one of us, either you are going to glorify him by being a trophy of his grace, as Paul says to the Ephesians, or you will be a trophy of his wrath and righteousness and judgment. In both sides, you will glorify Christ. In both sides, you will be the one to give glory to God. You will glorify Him in every way. So, my prayer to you this morning is that you are part of the trophy of grace and not of the trophy of wrath and judgment. Open your heart to Christ. Accept him as a personal savior. Make him the savior of your life. When you will appear before God, make sure that you are standing on the right position. Have the blessing hope to receive a reward from him if you accept him as a personal savior. But also, I have the responsibility today to tell you that if you are not accepting Jesus Christ as your personal Savior while you are on this earth, you will accept him as your judge. There is no purgatory after death. The Bible says that we are destined to born one time and die one time. After this, there is judgment. So how important it is to know that Christ all everything all together. You know, in the midst of our lives, sometimes lives be, can become very chaotic, right? It seems that we are losing track of what is going on in our lives. But in all this mess, it's comforting my heart to know that God is able to hold everything together. There is no chaos in Him. There is no chaos. Everything is under His control. Everything will bring glory to him in all situation is still God is still on the throne is still in control amen? amen praise God for this and then we have the second part Jesus preeminence in our redemption you see Jesus is the head of the church Paul's description of Jesus continues with a statement concerning his relationship to the church Jesus was Lord of creation is also the Lord of the, the church. I like what he says in verse 18. And is the head of the body of the church. Is the head of the body, the church. You know, my brothers and sisters, <laughs> I'm not the head of the church. You are not the head of the church. A district superintendent is not the head of the church. No human person can be the head of the church. Jesus is still on the throne. He has no abdicated his position. Jesus is the head of the church. He came. He came on, the, on earth to save us. 
And because he came to save us and became one of us and died on Calvary for our sins, this implies certain things for us as a church. You see, the incarnation of Christ as the image of God continues in the church, continues to be active through the church. You see, when you give a glass of water to a small child, you are giving this to Jesus. When you are giving clothes to somebody that has no clothes, you are giving to Jesus. When you are speaking about the grace of God and forgiveness and love and compassion, you are the hand and the mouth of Jesus. Christ is in the church. He still gives direction to the church. The church now individually and corporatively is to be the image of God in this world. That's why I'm so in love with the church of Jesus Christ. Doesn't matter if we are not perfect. Doesn't matter if sometimes the church shows the problem that are pertinent to our nature, corrupted. Sometimes in the church as a family, we still have a problem and difficulties to face. But praise the name of God. The church is the most beautiful, beautiful organization on this earth. Because Jesus Christ is present in it. And I'm so glad this morning that I can share this truth with you. And because Christ, the second Adam, and the new man brought in this world, so also the church in unity with Christ is giving the hope to this new humanity that is formed by the redeemed people. Those who have received Jesus Christ are part of this family of God. And now we can celebrate, we can worship Him in His spirit and truth. Because the true worshipers will worship God in his spirit and truth. That's what the Bible says in the fullness of God's presence. Christ, therefore, is the source of the church. Is the source of the life and the direction of the church. And praise God for this. And you know, when we speak about the Holy Spirit in our lives, the main work of the Holy Spirit in this time is to establish the absolute lordship of Jesus Christ in the church and the life of the believer. That's why we welcome the Holy Spirit in our lives. That's why we need the Holy Spirit in us. Because the Holy Spirit brings up the person of Jesus in us. Is lifting up Jesus in us. Is magnifying Jesus in us. This is what Jesus says in the Gospel of John in the last hours of his life on earth I will send you another comforter I will not leave you orphans the Holy Spirit will come he will take something that I've been taught to you and he will glorify me he will give it to you back so praise God for Jesus being the head of the church and also Jesus is the firstborn from the dead in the second part of verse 18 says, It is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. This refers to Christ's conquest over the great enemies of humanity and creation. Sin and death. You know, Jesus came to destroy the evil works of the enemy. Jesus came to conquer death by his resurrection. Christ is... The first, the first person of being resurrected according to the new order. And because his resurrection 
we also can have hope to be resurrected one day. You see, we are not destined to be manure for the earth. We have a hope. Because Jesus Christ has been resurrected, we also be resurrected. And when we celebrate the communion, not only we are proclaimed that Jesus came and took our form. Not only we are proclaimed that he died on the cross. But also we proclaim that he was resurrected. And he's coming back. Oh, praise the Lord. I'm looking forward to the day to be in the presence of God. I'm praying, Lord, come. Come. We have a great destiny, my brothers and sisters. It is the beginning, the one that will open the way. To say that Christ is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, means that we still have the hope in our hearts. Today, as you take the bread and you drink of the cup, remember that Jesus was resurrected. Remember that he's coming back. It means that the new order of resurrection has already opened up for you and I. We will be with God forever and ever. That's the hope that we have in Jesus. And Paul, once again, as he writes to the Corinthians, he says very clear, if Christ was not raised from the dead, our faith will be in vain. But thank God that he resurrected. Also, it means that those who are in Christ will also be resurrected when the trumpet of God will sound. And I'm so glad that you and I can be sure that one day this body that is given to the earth, corruptible, one day will be resurrected, incorruptible. There is no space for sickness or cancer or other sickness. There is no space for tears or sorrow and grief. There is no space for sadness in our hearts. We will be in the presence of God forever and ever. Praise God for this hope. So when you take the cup and you take the bread, Think of the hope that you have in Jesus. Think that one day we will see those who are precede us in glory. You see, Christ, as a perfect God-man, is able to reconcile all things to himself. Verse 19 says, For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. Yet his supremacy is not only based on his Godhood. It's also based on the fact that the Almighty Creator who made everything for his glory, brought justice in this earth. You see, man has belittled his name. Man tried to constantly question his authority. Man is trying to disobey to his authority and his commandments until today. And I want you to know that one of the signs of the last days is the apostasy, is the rebellion against God. And we are living on those days where the name of God is not taking consideration anymore. A country like Canada was based on values of the Bible. is a country that is renouncing to those values. And many others in Europe, a wonderful country that was sending missionaries for decades like uh, uh, Netherlands or England or France or Belgium are no more Christian and that's what I'm saying to you. This is the last days that we are living. Romans 8, 
from verse 20 to 22 says that even the creation is longing for the manifestation of the Son of God to redeem this cosmos and make a new order. Also human sin has resulted in this destruction of the soul, a relationship. And God being just, righteous and holy has to put on, on somebody's wrath. And you know who is the person that took all the iniquities, all the trespass that we committed? is Jesus Christ. That's why in, in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus felt all the burden, all the sins of humankind, all the atrocity, all the, all the sinful action that you can think was bearing on Jesus' heart in that moment. He felt the anguish of your sins and my sins in that moment. I can only imagine, I can only imagine the pain, the grieving aspect, the torment that Jesus went through in the last hours of his life, bearing your sins, my sins. And that's why when we approach the table of the Lord, we should express a gratitude to Jesus. We should express a gratitude to the love of the Father in our lives. And say, thank you, Lord, for saving me. Thank you for taking all my faults. Thank you, Lord, for redeeming my sins with your blood. And wash me, cleanse me from all my sins. Look at the word of God, what it say in verse 20. And through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven. Look at this sentence here. Making peace by the blood of his cross. Today you can have peace with God. Today you have peace with God. Justified by His blood, you can have peace. If you have not made peace with God today, oh, you have a wonderful opportunity to make peace with Him. To be saved by the condemnation. To be saved for the wrath of God. The righteous wrath of God. And you who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds. He has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death. In order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. Praise the name of God. Praise the name of God. Praise the name of God for his amazing saving grace. Praise be to his name. Because we are saved through him. And my brothers and sisters, this is the power of the gospel. This is the gospel that we preach. Our reconciliation is not based on what we do or don't do. It's based on the merit of Jesus Christ. Holy Him. Hallelujah. Only Him died on the cross. We cannot fix ourselves. Only Jesus could done, have done that. And Christ can do this work in your life today if you have not surrendered completely to him. He gave himself. He made peace by the blood of the cross. This is why we need to be reconciled with Christ. This is why we need this morning as we approach the elements of the bread and the wine. To think how much blessed we are to be part of his church. How blessed we are. Let me conclude with this last exhortation we find in verse 23. First, continue in the faith. 
Be your life always marked by the pursuit of Christ. Continue in the faith. And let me tell you something. Where there is no pursuit, there is no abundant life in Christ. If you are not pursuing Christ, you cannot have the abundant life that comes with him. I'm thinking of the many Christians today who live defeated and demoralized without hope. Because they are not pursuing Christ. Because they are not walking to reach the deeper life with Christ. We use this expression that is very dear to the Christian Mission Alliance. Deeper life in Jesus. We sing a beautiful song. Deeper, deeper, every day deeper in Jesus. Praise God. I want to encourage you church. I want you to know. That there is an abundant life that comes from the person of Jesus Christ. Pursue that life in Christ. Give your heart to him. Doesn't matter if you are young in the faith or you have been in the faith for many years. You need to pursue Christ every single day. Every single day. And I pray this morning that celebration of the communion will be also an incentive to you and I. To get deeper with Christ. And then Paul says be stable and steadfast. Beware of anything that pushes you away from Christ. Be aware. Today we have so many distractions on this earth. We live in a technology era. Where everything is done purposely to distract us from following Jesus Christ. The use of technology that we do, Facebook, social media, TV, entertainment, even church. Let me say that. A pastor once said this, when you are receiving the message, if you are not translating a message in action, you are just coming in church to be entertained. My friend, my brothers and sisters, let's be careful. Let's be careful not to be distracted. I love what Paul says to Galatians 2.20. That the life that he lives now on earth is no more the life for himself. This means that I no longer have to live myself, for myself, pursuing my goals. But for the one who saved me. For the one who transformed me. For the one that has every right and authority in my life. It means that if you accepted Jesus Christ... Now you have to learn how to interact with him, to trust him, to abandon everything to him. You know, sometimes we go in periods where we feel that we touch God and heaven. Other times we go deeper in the valley like God doesn't exist anymore. Oh Lord, help us to understand the depth of your love in our lives. That we can be living a stable walk with you. And then the last but not the least for sure. Do not shift from the hope of the gospel that you heard. This is what Paul is saying. Learn to live a life under his divine guidance. This is the ultimate goal that we should pursue in our lives. And let me challenge you today. What is the request you are presenting to the Lord today? What has dominated your heart during this past week? During these past hours? What thoughts, what desire is taking the control of your heart? It is prosperity, health, a social position, a prestigious job, 
something that can make you happy, like a new home, a new car, a new clothes. What is going to pursue your heart? All things, all these things can be legitimate. I'm not question that. But this is not my point. My point is that all this cannot be compared to the glory and the understanding of the Lordship of Jesus Christ in your heart. If Jesus has not your heart, has not one inch of who you are. But if he has your heart, he has everything. I just pray that as we take the communion, that we examine ourselves.